What's up, everybody? This is your boy Ken, aka Mr. Gentleman of Mr. Gentleman Lifestyle Podcast. And you are now listening to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. Like and subscribe. Inspired by hip hop and the faith culture, the sanctuary in my solitude, the thoughts, feelings, and life lessons of an imperfect Christian by Anthony Kisick is beautifulfeetentertainment.com's work in print. It is a book of poetry and it's available through iUniverse.com, Amazon.com, BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com, and the links are also available in our social media and podcast. So please consider The Sanctuary of My Solitude if you're looking for a next great read. Thank you so much. This is the Beautiful Feet Podcast. A partnership with BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. My name is Anthony. And I'm Jessica. And for the last couple weeks, we've really been diving into the history of the Bible. Um, And we're going to continue that with one more week. Um... Let's go down week by week. What have we been doing over the last couple weeks? So initially when we were sitting down last year to uh, plan the podcast for 2021, we thought about the fact that because of everything that has happened in 2020, there are probably a lot of new people in the church and they just might not have a lot of background about hey, what is the Bible all about? So we just wanted to sit down and create a series for people who are brand new to the faith. Welcome Mm -hmm. in. Uh, That's why also our Bible study component is the book of John because that's a really great book for beginners. If if you've never read the Bible before, okay, take it away. So the one thing we've always encouraged you guys to do... um, do you know? Do your research. Do your due diligence because what we're giving you on the podcast is really a brief summary of of, of the Bible or or even the the scripture that we're reading, right? So in that context, like there's a lot of study Bibles that will give you the history of the Bible, that will give you where it comes from and where how it was translated and all these different things. Um, so we just want to encourage you with that. Um, but let's go ahead and jump into today. Because I feel like we're just honestly maybe getting those curiosity things going, scratching the surface a little bit. Um, okay, so to recap, over the past few weeks, we have learned. So in week one, we looked at, okay, the Bible is broken into two main parts called the Old and the New Testament. And we kind of discussed you know why that is and what was the purpose of it and the different um languages that was written in each you know old testament and new testament what did we talk about week two so for week two we looked at the written and archaeological evidence for the bible Mm -hmm. that's where we kind of went over a few different facts and a few different um, actual things that you could find um, that, that set up the validity of the Bible. 
I was going to say it a little differently and it didn't <laughs> sound right in my head, so I had to, you know, fix that. What about week three? So for last week, we wanted to look at biblical accuracy in history. Basically, how accurate is the Bible? I mean, from one language to the next, a lot of people claim that the Bible could have been tampered with and it's not, it's, it doesn't mean what it used to mean or... Um, people have taken liberty with changing it to the, their liking, um, and we just wanted to discuss about that. But this week, this is a very important week because um, I think this is a topic that you'd love to talk about. I really do enjoy like this moment in church history. Yeah, so we're talking about basically the translation of the Bible. Is that that's one of the aspects of what we're talking about? Yes, that is that is a. A layer to it, I guess. What are we, onions? So, <laughs> I don't know. So, okay, moving on. We're moving away from Shrek and back to the actual academic portion of the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> so, okay. So, for this week, I'm so excited to focus on Martin Luther and the Reformation, having the Bible in Latin and then in German and now in multiple languages, and just like a little side note about the Apocrypha. And notice she said Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King. Yes, we had to talk about this. Like this whole, like the seed for this wonderful podcast was planted. You remember how this began? You had like one question for me. Yeah, so I had the simple question of what was the Reformation? Because it was right around Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. I think you wanted to know like what Protestantism was. Yes. I want to know what Protestantism was. I can't even say the word. Um, simply, okay, I didn't grow up in the church. I did not grow up with all this history and division and brokenness and, and, and me wanting the Bible this way and translated this way. I simply grew up oblivious to all of it. And when I came into the... To, to the fold of the church, like when I started coming to church, I just kind of picked up certain things of the Bible and and, and, um, and the church and how it was working. I never understood the history of it. So we come to Protestantism. Like say what it is to be a Protestant. Like what because, does that Because mean? your mom's church is considered Protestant. Yes, yes it is. My mom goes to a United Methodist Church and that is considered a Protestant church. So we had to talk about the Reformation. And your one simple question I think led to like a deep dive of like an hour and a half of just me and the internet being like, let me tell you. Let, yeah, let me tell you about the <laughs> Reformation and Martin Luther. And I knew Martin Luther was different than Martin Luther King. I knew that much. So I am here to give you a much more abridged version than what Anthony received. Good, because I don't remember what you told me in the first place. Yeah, I know. That's okay. So, going on with this week, let's move. Okay. So I think that it's important to note that today, like in modern 2021. times. 2021. 2021. Thank you. Because <laughs> I just I don't know what day it is. I don't even know anymore. It don't matter. Look, 2021. So, there are a variety of different churches to choose from. However, when the church was starting out, like the early church, it's important to note that they first met in one another's homes and like in these smaller groups. 
which honestly a lot of churches they still do to this day they either call them bible studies or neighborhood groups or they have many different names for them they call them just they call them multitude of different names but at the time this was church church was not going to a big building sitting quietly and just listening to someone talk it was open conversation about jesus and about um who god was and then over time, as the church began to develop, we see that the Catholic Church just began to just dominate this landscape of how people came to know about Jesus. And it was this way for many, many years. Now, it's important to note there were other like Orthodox churches, such as the Greek Orthodox Church, which also spread. But that is, again, separate from Catholicism. But throughout much of, especially the European world, the Catholic Church just grew into this very wealthy and powerful institution. Now, here's my question. Do we know why, and you don't have to deep dive into this, but why it spread so quickly in the in Roman Catholic churches? Um, so, you know how Jesus was like, hey, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Speaking to Peter. That was kind of like, here's the first pope. He's God's representative on earth. So therefore, like, because this is what we are creating, like, we have the direct line, like, God through the pope to us. Like, he is, he's very special. He's very important. He's very highly sought after and thought of. Like, there's yeah. a lot of respect for the Vatican and like the papal position and the Pope and everything. And because of having that authority, the church was able to say like, okay, so Jesus helped us get started. This is why like we're the original place to be. Well, and, and the thing is, um, this is kind of going off my notes a little bit totally here. It's totally going <laughs> off notes. But the thing is, is for a long time, the church was where your rules came from. They governed the land. They did everything. Mm -hmm. There was no state law. There was no city law. It was strictly what does the church say? Well, you might have like smaller ordinances in more remote areas, but yeah. especially if you're going to be in like a, a, a major city, major, major city. Yeah. Major metropolitan area. I cannot speak today. This is not <laughs> podcast day for me. This is rambling on forever. Continue. Uh, oh, okay. Where are we going with that? I'm trying to like get us back to my notes, but it's fine. We'll figure out how to segue. So he was basically saying, Ugh, okay. Now, in the society that we live in, there is a definite, hey, here's the church. And hey, here's our legal system. But at that time, the law and the church and like everybody kind of worked together. Because the kings back then ruled by what was called the divine right of kings. They felt literally like, hey, God has appointed me to be king over this area. And because God appointed me to be king, that means when I die... Only my son can take the throne. Would that be correct? Um, Someone of the same bloodline? Either of the same bloodline or like that they would have some sort of a claim 
to the throne. Yeah. Like, if someone were to die and they didn't immediately have an heir, then it would go to a different... And you still see this with the Queen of England. Yeah. Now we're going to segue back to your notes, because I know you're sweating. <laughs> you're, you're trying to figure out, like, how do we bring this back? I really, I really like when I'm going to be speaking on an academic subject, like... Not that I have note cards, but definitely you can picture someone just frantically flipping through their note cards trying to get back on track. So that's the illustration. This is my cue of us going back on track. (laughs) Okay, so the church is wealthy. It's powerful. And we've already kind of talked about that with being connected to a king or just, yeah, they've become very wealthy over over time. And, like, again, jumping to modern day, like, we have many different denominations that are known as Protestants. So the Protestants come from this period of church history that's known as the Reformation. And this was where kind of the whole thing, when we were talking about it before Christmas, the whole thing kind of, I don't want to say snowballed, but I, this is you, where it, it snowballed. You could say it snowballed out of control. It's yeah, fine. and that's okay, because <laughs> I needed to know this as well. I still still need to know it. Okay, so we're going to buckle in. We're going to hop in our little time machine. We're going to head back to... Get in the DeLorean. Let's go. 1577. That's when the Reformation began. So there was a priest, and his name was Martin Luther. As we said, not Martin Luther King or Martin Luther King Jr., just Martin Luther. Just Martin Luther King III. Anyway, moving on. So he lived from 1483 until 1546, and he lived in Germany. And one of the things that he did not particularly agree with about the Catholic Church, because there were quite a lot of things, but one of the things that I was just like, yeah, I could see why you might not like that, was this practice known as the sale of indulgences. So an indulgence at this time was basically like paying in advance for sins that might not have occurred yet. Like you could buy a piece of paper that was going to absolve you from certain things. And like this was a big way for the Catholic Church to make a whole lot of money. And and you're literally paying money to the church for stuff you ain't done yet. Because sin is something that's going to separate you from God. And obviously, you want to not be separated from him. But because we are fleshly beings, like, we're going to sin anyway. So it was this... Well... Yeah. And and, and here's where this is um, theologically incorrect. Mm -hmm. Right? First of all, uh, I believe it's in Romans. Again, I'm not checking my sources right now, so please bear with me. Uh, It's in the book of Romans that it says only blood can pay for sins. Mm -hmm. Okay, or something to that effect. So for me to pay money and say, oh, you know what, I'm going to sin later tonight. I'm going to go out and drink and get a little too drunk and we don't know what's going to happen. Here's some money to cover that sin. You're already looking at God's word going, that's useless. That doesn't make sense. Um, And then um, what I don't like about it was... Uh, What doesn't make sense about it is the simple fact that you have Jesus who died on a cross, you know, took on that sin, died on a cross, and rose three days later, basically saying, I've paid that debt for you. You should not have to pay actual money to 
uh, uh, to eliminate sin. So there were also other aspects of the Catholic Church that Martin Luther was like, I just fundamentally do not agree with this. And it all kind of came to this boiling point. Like he had just had enough. He was like, I just need to... Sorry, keeps moving my notes. I just need to see some change within the Catholic Church. So he writes what is known as the 95 Thesis in 1590. Ugh, why do I want to say 1597? It's 1517. I'm going to write it out. <laughs> Which was noted by historians as the start of the Reformation. So what is the 95th, 95 Thesis? Sorry, I had to look at your notes for that. So these are literally all of the grievances that Martin Luther was like, okay, I want to be a priest. I've studied all of this stuff. Here's what I'm learning. Here's what I think needs to change. Because Lutheranism would not actually come into, hey, like it's a religion now until 1522. So he's got a few more years until that becomes what we associate with like, hey, a lot of Germans are Lutheran because of the fact that that's where he was in the world. So one of the items that Martin Luther had wanted was that the Bible be available in a common language. Are you Googling? I am. Okay. Continue. So prior to this time period, the Bible was really only readily available in Latin to the members of the clergy, so people who worked directly with the church. And the Latin version of the Bible is called the Vulgate. And as we learned last week, remember, it took many years for literacy to take hold. But because Martin Luther lived in Germany, his desire was to have a Bible that was available in German. And can you really blame him? I mean, we, we, we speak English. We, you know, we live in America. So, like, we want a Bible that represents our culture. Now, we have, I think there's more than 30 different translations of English alone. But I, I could imagine, you know, at, in the 1500s, you, you're not going to have that. So he was not actually the first person to have this idea. The first Bible that was printed in German predates the Reformation. It's from 1466, and it's by Johann Metellin. Probably not saying that right, but that's okay. Probably not. It's fine. So, and did he, he didn't translate the whole Bible, right? Wasn't it just like either the New or Old Testament? Or do we know? I'm I, just saying, I'm wondering if I it's... I thought it was both. Was it? Okay. Like the whole thing. I know you just researched this, so I just, I just was curious. Uh, do you want me to look it up? Nope. Or, okay, moving Keep on. Keep moving forward. <laughs> so now... Like Anthony was saying, there are many different translations of the Bible. But a, because of like a primary component of being able to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ is that the Bible is available in as many languages as possible. I think it's there like over 200 now, 230. There are a lot of translations of the Bible. I actually have BibleGateway.com pulled up somewhere. BibleGateway.com is a fantastic website um, that basically is a treasure trove of like resources. So if you ever have any questions, go there and do some research. It's pretty cool. Um, 
Oh, oh, this actually just has all the languages that you can filter by language. And and, and look at English. It keeps going and wow. going. And like, go. It's like the Energizer Bunny of translations. There are a lot. But anyway. Yeah, let's get back to my notes here. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, okay. Because of Martin Luther and many others who came after him, the Catholic Church is not the only way to experience the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. But if we have listeners who are like adamant, like, hey, I've grown up in the Catholic Church, I've found the Catholic Church, as long as that's the church that works for you, like, more power to you. Like, I'm going to be honest. I've been to a Catholic Church, I can count on... Uh, on one hand how many times I've been to a Catholic church I have no issue with the Catholic church as long as what they're teaching on and the way that they're living is is a representation of of the Bible and and who Jesus was that's fine if they want to build certain traditions and certain things that uh, are in place that's fine it to me it, it's about representing Jesus so and here at beautiful feet entertainment we urge you to find a local church that works for you. We realize that, you know, the Catholic Church might not be for everyone. Protestantism might not be what you feel most comfortable with. I know there is a big surge in non-denominational churches right now. Mm-hmm. And we also want you to find a translation of the Bible that you feel the most comfortable with. Like, for me, personally, what I'm reading right now is I'm reading the NIV Adventure Bible, which is the number one Bible for kids, just because I like the fact that it does have the scripture, but then there's some side notes that are just so simple and easy to understand. Yeah. I have read NIV. I've read uh, ESV. I've read um, King James. I've read, I mean, I've read a slew of different ones. And I, I do that on purpose, but I, I think I, we've explained that before. So let's continue. So I'm glad you brought up the King James Version of the Bible because for Segway. me. Segway! <laughs> yay! Segway! For many years, the King James Version of the Bible was the widely accepted version. And while it initially was the one I grew up with, I know that it also dates from around the time of Shakespeare. And obviously, the world and how we speak has changed drastically in the past insert 400 years since then that's it huh only 400 that's cool <laughs> well and not only that not only has the way we speak changed and the world around us has changed um culture wise but you know we can do so much more research now to make sure that what we're reading is accurate so i'm not saying that king james is not accurate i've never noticed that it wasn't but another translation might have a different um, understanding or, or go in depth in certain areas that King James doesn't. So. so, like my last little tidbit that I'll talk about, and then we'll go over like a highlight of what February is going to bring, and then I'm just going to put my notes away for a little while, see where we're at, all that good stuff. Okay, yeah. so my last thing that I wanted to talk about, when we're talking about how the Bible itself was arranged, it's important to talk about the Apocrypha. What is the Apocrypha? 
the I had so much trouble like typing this word of my notes. <laughs> I was like, I just don't know. Hey, go back to my notes. I got okay. it. <laughs> okay. So the word apocrypha comes from the Greek meaning to hide away or like something that's hidden or secret. Now, these books are a collection of works that gradually over time were excluded from the canon or collection of books that make up the Bible. Uh, I think there's like 15 of them in total. Mm -hmm. My mom actually has a version of the Bible that has the Apocrypha in it because, you know, she's just cool like that. That's one word. To use. <laughs> um, so these are basically like when, when the scholars of the Bible um, were, were putting it together into a single book. They were like, these don't, we can't verify these as part of the Bible, basically. Because so, they had a verification process, is that correct? Yes, there were different councils that met to decide upon what criteria they were going to use to see what's going to make the cut. And to bring the conversation back to Martin Luther, one last little academic nugget for the day. It was in his 1534 version of the Bible that was the first to actually separate out the Apocrypha, put it between the Old and New Testaments, and give a note that they were, quote-unquote, not divinely inspired books. So they were in the Bible, but they were like, hey, we're putting it in here, but we're letting you know, um, at, at this point, we do not believe this is part of the Bible. But we're giving it to you almost like, hey, make your own mind up, do your own research. Um, and I appreciate that, you know. So let's go ahead. Taking it back, we're going to take our DeLorean back to the modern day times here. Are we in an um, a, a alternate timeline or did we actually make it to 2021? No, we've actually made it to 2021. Thank you, Doc Brown. <laughs> we're going to give you like a little sneak peek of what February, so for next month, the podcast is going to look like. We're still going to be in the book of John. We're going to cover John chapter chapters 5 through 8. And then we're also going to take some time to look at the history of slavery in the church because February is Black History Month. Well, okay, so this kind of came about simply because um, last year when, when, when all the protests were happening and, and everything was going on, I did my best, and I'm not going to say I did a great job, but I did my best to find resources that um, they weren't just they weren't just books written by African-American authors, but they told a part of history that we normally leave out. And I found a book, and I've got to remember the name of it. I'll get it to you guys. Um, basically, where it talks about racism within the church and how the church, especially early church, did not try to eliminate racism, but they actually made it worse and how they did that. Um, so that's kind of where this conversation came from. And then, again, just diving into church history, we'll talk about Lent because in February, that is when we're going to begin this journey where we look at Jesus' life and prepare to celebrate Easter, which is 
how Christians commemorate the fact that he died for us and rose again. Yes, that's going to be a very important um, time, obviously, in our history. So we're definitely going to talk about that. Okay, well, that's all she wrote, folks. I've gone through sports fans, all of my notes. We have links to the websites that I used because I figure that is the easiest way to get resources to you is for me to actually use the internet and not my beloved library books, but don't worry. I check out enough library books so that they are definitely still in business. Good job. Way to keep yourself employed. I know. So we'll go ahead and take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're going to go over John chapter 4. And um, yeah, we're going to discuss that. So we'll be right back with the Beautiful Feet Podcast. This episode of the Beautiful Feet Podcast is brought to you by The Sanctuary of My Solitude, a published book of poetry by me, Anthony Giesick. You can pick up your copy at beautifulfeetentertainment.com at iUniverse.com and Amazon.com. Welcome back to the Beautiful Feet Podcast. This is the portion of the podcast where we go ahead and jump into the Bible. Um, We've been going over the book of John. Last week we went over John chapter 3. So we're going to go ahead and do a recap of that before we jump into John chapter 4. So Jessica, would you mind giving us that recap please? Okay, I feel like the recap for John chapter 3 is super easy. It's basically just Jesus and Nicodemus. So Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and he was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to visit Jesus by nightfall. So it was a very, like, covert operation going on. And he was like, okay, I know that you're a teacher who's come from God because no one could do what you're doing if God is not with him. So Jesus is like, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And Nicodemus takes that literally. He's like, okay, well, I'm old. Like, my mom's not going to be able to give birth to me a second time. Like, that's not going to happen. No. Yeah, he wasn't looking at it from a spiritual aspect, which is how Jesus was actually looking at it. So Jesus goes on to talk to him about the Son of Man and the fact that basically Jesus is the only way to get into heaven we see like the most famous verse in the whole Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And you always like verse 17. I like to point out verse 17. So I'll read that as well. Let's see. i got to flip the page here. It's like right in the middle. We actually still use, like, Bibles that's an actual book. We don't use apps, typically. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So I like that verse simply because it kind of builds off of uh, 316 and, in my opinion, gives it more context or more importance as to why Jesus is doing this. So Jesus talks about the fact that light has come into the world and that he is that light and uh, we see John and his disciples as well Um, so John throughout his ministry is always pointing to Jesus he's like hey I don't want the attention for myself you just need to like go and listen to Jesus and be baptized by him Mm -hmm. so now we're gonna get into John chapter 4 yes 
John chapter 4, um, again, it's another important chapter in the Bible. I mean, I feel like there's an interesting juxtaposition between John chapter 3 and John chapter 4. And what would that juxtaposition be? What are so, you seeing? in John chapter 3, you have Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee. He is a member of the Jewish ruling council. He's a high-ranking member of his community coming to see Jesus in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. In John chapter 4, we see Jesus and the Samaritan woman, who is not a high-standing member of her community, seeing Jesus in the middle of the day. Well, and, and we're going to get into this a little bit, but the thing was um, a Samaritan... And a Jewish male were not ever supposed to speak. Even Samaritan men and, and Jewish men were never supposed to speak. Um, I'm, I want to say it was actually an example of racism. But I have to look into that a little more. So, at this point, like, even the woman who Jesus wants to get water from, she says, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Like, how can you ask me for a drink? Yeah, so we should probably put this in context. They, these two groups did not associate with each other. So Jesus is sitting by a whale. Well. Well, By himself. He had sent his disciples to go get food. I'm guessing he... He knew he was going to meet this woman, again, because he's God. He knew he was going to meet this woman. And so he's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to stay here. You guys go get some food. And this woman comes to draw to get, uh, to get water from the well. She does it actually in the middle of the day. It says around noon. Mm-hmm. Now, that's important simply because, yes, it was the woman's job to get the water. And they usually did it in the morning. Well, in this community, yes, women got water, but the time of day that they would go would be, like you said, in the morning, and then kind of toward more of the very end of the day. Like, if you live in a desert, you do not want to be out in the middle of the day so, to get resources. And so why was she out in the middle of the day to get water? It's because of her way of life. She was basically shunned by her community. She was not allowed um, to go when the other woman went. So she had to go in the middle of the day. I think Jesus knew this, so he planted himself there to, to minister to her. Well, starting at verse 15, um, she says, Sir, give me this water, meaning the water of eternal life, so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back here to draw water. And Jesus said... In verse 16, he told her, go and call your husband and come back. Yeah. In verse 17, she replied, I have no husband. So this is when Jesus really he, lays it on. That he, he cuts deep because, okay, the conversation started. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's at the well and he's like, hey, give me some water. She's like, how dare you even ask me for that? Because he's not allowed to, one, because he's a male, she's female, um, and... One, because Samaritan and Jewish. And also, 
you know, so it, there's a whole lot of stuff going on here. But he says, you know what? That water that you draw from the well, you're going to just be thirsty again. What I have to offer is living water. If you drink from it, you never go thirsty again. And he's obviously speaking deeper than just physical thirst. He's speaking again of that spiritual thirst of being connected with God. And well, that's what she wants. And Jesus says, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. This was, so... a, like, this was a big like no-no in the community. Like, you don't share your life with somebody who's not your spouse. And, and they were they were at Jacob's well, by the way, because she does mention it. She's like, how are you going to give more water than what Jacob and his livestock and like all of these people have experienced? Yeah. So we have this woman that Jesus, um, for lack of a better term, confronts. And he's like, hey, you know, your life um, in the eyes of God, like it's sinful. You've had multiple husbands. And the man that you're with now isn't even your husband. So he doesn't even have the um, title or the responsibility of husband. Um, and again, at this time, the husband was um, the head of the household and he was, you know, he was the provider. And a lot of times women, you know, the, the wife was, uh, um, I don't want to say attached, but... But with the husband of like, if you if you lost your husband, you had nothing. Like you were basically like, I'm here. I'm just gonna starve mm -hmm. and die. No one's gonna take care of me. I'm gonna, you know, I'm just gonna. Well, they did have provisions for widows and orphans, but it would do well for them to be taken care of by another close family member. Yeah. So. I find the woman's reaction interesting because. I feel like if I had been the woman, my first gut reaction would be to be like, how dare you? Like, I feel offended. But this woman is like, you must be a prophet. Let me go tell everyone because you have told me everything I've ever done. Well, and the thing is, is, I think the reason that is, is the way all she said was, I don't have a husband. She gave no other context. She didn't say, oh, yeah, he had died. He this and that. Um, and Jesus just drops this bomb on her of like dude you've had five husbands the dude you're with now he's not even your husband um you're just share i'm assuming sharing a bed with him so you know and and she probably just was like wait a minute i didn't tell him that i don't know where he heard that it must be divine coming from god so instead of jesus and the disciples just passing through this town the people of the town actually invited Jesus to stay with them for two days. Yeah, because this woman leaves Jesus, she goes into the city, starts telling everybody, hey, you know, this dude named Jesus, he told me about my history. He, he offered me eternal life. He gave me, you know, he offered me these things. And the people started to believe her. So that even tells you that, like, even though she had a reputation in her community of, of, for lack of a better term, being a homewrecker or being immoral, I'll go with that, 
God is able to use that and say, hey, I could use that immoral woman, that broken person, to spread the gospel. Because that's what happened. Well, and also, too, I think for us, again, in our modern context, you just turn on a tap, you have plenty of water. But as long during, as you can pay for it. During this time, it's the ancient world. They're in a desert environment. Like, water is a very precious commodity. It's not really something you want to run out of. So to have something that he's like, hey, if you drink from this, you're not going to be thirsty again. Like, of course, sign me up, right? Of course. Especially since I think she understood, and at least in, in her spirit, she understood this is deeper than just a physical drink. This is something more. Um, so they invite Jesus to stay in the city. Uh, and that's where we kind of are now. And then we just we see the disciples come back and they're like, hey, you should eat something. And he says, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And in verse 34, Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So this is where you're seeing Jesus, like you're seeing him being mission, like with a mind state on his, on what God has called him to do. God has called him to save the world, but also to preach the gospel. So God's going, look, I'm going to put it on your heart to do it and do it quickly. Jesus is not wasting time. Um, so, yeah. So we look at the fact that because of this woman and her testimony and her life and the time that Jesus spent there, there are many people who are Samaritans who came to believe in Jesus because of this. Yeah, and I love the fact that they invite Jesus into the city. He starts preaching and reaching out to them and, and um, they basically go to the woman saying, you know what, um, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. That's in verse 43. Um, I love that, because again, it's the idea, you could hear the gospel, but when you actually take the time to seek it out yourself, you're going to get a deeper understanding of that word and what God is doing. Um, I don't know how many times you and I have been to a church or an event and we're like, hey, um, we got we got something out of it. But when we dig deeper, when you and I dig into the word deeper, we get more than just somebody telling us about it, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Because I feel like even when you listen to the like the best speakers in the church, right? Um, you're still getting a summary of what God says. But when you pick up the Bible for yourself, you're getting the full story. Well, and I think God, too, wants the Bible to be something that's accessible and relatable to us. A hundred percent. I would definitely agree with that. And the only way to be able to relate to it is if you learn to interact with it. Write that down. I like that. <laughs> like, do you seriously remember to write no, it down right now? No, I want like them this? to write it down. Oh, okay. I want them to take notes. No, but, um, I and I agree, when you interact with the Word and you... You, you study it and you learn it um, and you speak to people who know more than you, you go deeper than you ever have before. It's pretty great. Um, was there anything else from this? Let, let's go over the rest of this yes. chapter. Yes. Okay. 
So it's important to note that we're going to see Jesus heal an official's son from verse 43 to verse 54. So we're wrapping up the end of the chapter here. Um, so we see he's in Galilee. The people who are there, they had seen, hey, he's, he's done work in Jerusalem. He's done things at the Passover. He visited Cana again, which is where he turned the water into wine. So that is where you see that there was a royal official whose son was sick in Capernaum. Capernaum? Thank you. So, and, and I love this story. This is, a, again, one of those stories that you're just, if you're really paying attention to it, there's a lot going on there. Now, is this the same as the centurion's son? Because my Bible just says royal <clears throat> official. Honestly, I don't know. Um, so at this point, I'm going to say no, but we can we can do some research on that. Okay. Um, but, but what I love about this is, so this, let's go over the story. So um, it says 47, when the man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So this dude seeks after Jesus. Again, I, I don't know, I don't believe he was a follower of Jesus. I think he just heard some of the stories and he's like, hey, if this guy could do what you say he can, I need him to heal my son. Um, you know, and what was Jesus' response? So Jesus' response, let me get to the right page here. Jesus says, go and your son will live. Mm -hmm. So Jesus doesn't even visit the son. He basically, he's in another part of the city. The guy comes to him and says, hey, visit my home. My son is dying. I need him healed. Please, can you help me? And this guy, just Jesus just turns around and says, hey, go ahead. Go home. Your son will live. So when he is on the way back home, his servants, they come and meet him. And they tell him, hey, your boy is alive. And he asks, okay, well, what time did my son get better? And they said to him, yesterday at one in the afternoon, that's when the fever left him. So the father has this realization that at that time was exactly the moment when Jesus spoke over his son. Mm -hmm. So the man believed and also his whole household came to Christ. Well, yeah. And, and again, I love that, right? Because I feel like so many times we think we have to be in a position to know God. We have to be in a specific place. You have to be in church. You have to be, you know, in, in a group. And those things are beautiful. Those things are very helpful, right? But this man was not anywhere near a synagogue. He wasn't around religious people. He just happened to find Jesus in a time of his life where he needed him. He called out to Jesus and Jesus was like, hey, you know, your son is healed. And in that instant, his son was healed. Well, and sometimes I I take issue with this story because I feel like there are so many people out there who have been in a similar position. They're praying for a miracle, and then their loved one gets taken away from them. So the question you would have is almost like what's the standard for who gets healed and who doesn't? Yeah, like why, why would God heal this man's son and not 
someone else's child or family member or friend. And we could take that to today, right? Why would this person die of this disease? Whatever disease, right? Why would they die from this situation and this person is miraculously healed, right? And I guess, I guess in my mind, in, in my heart, I, I have to ask the question of like, why do you think that is? Oh. Well, if someone was to ask you, how would you answer that? Um, I just always would say that God works in mysterious ways and mm -hmm. some things just aren't meant for us to know because I don't have the answer. Well, and, and I think that's a great answer because it's, hey, I'm going to be humble about this. I don't have the answer. And I don't think we do because the only thing I could think of is, again, I believe it's in Romans. Um, don't quote me on that, but I believe it's in Romans where it basically says, you know, um, it's God's will that's going to be done, right? So if God's will is, hey, I need to, I'm going to heal this person so that God can get the glory, then that's what God's going to have happen. Whereas if someone passes away and God still gets the glory, it, it, it's a toss up to me because I'm like, I'm in that same boat. I don't know why God heals certain people and some people never get healing. Um, well, for next week, we're going to look at Jesus healing even more in chapter 5. So that'll give us a little bit more opportunity to talk about it as well. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that we at least let ourselves know it's okay to trust in God, to walk with Jesus, and still get to scriptures like this and go, I don't understand why he would choose this over this. Well, I feel like just prayer in general, God either says yes, he says no, or he says not right now. Well, I would agree, 100%. Um, and again, we, I, I, like I said, I just struggle with this idea that, you know, people think that when we're, as a Christian, everything that we pray for gets answered, and that's not the case. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we get, a, we get a really crappy hand, we have a really crappy year or period in our time, in our life, where we're just like, hey, nothing seems to go right for me. But I'm still putting my hope in Jesus. Well, in the church world, we think of this those times as seasons of trials. And they are not fun. No, 2020 was a season of trial. Like, if you could opt out of those times, believe me, we would all be like, yes, take me to just the good things. But I can, I can tell you from my experience, when I was in those trials, um, I've learned so much in those times that I wouldn't have learned had I opted out. So, Well, and looking at the Samaritan woman, she definitely had trials that she went through, but because yeah. Jesus was able to reach her on such a personal level, that changed not only her life, but the life of her entire community. Oh, a hun yeah, 100%. I think I've said that five times so far. Anyway. You got 500% going on <laughs> Um, I'm a very rich man. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, it's a very it's very it's very complicated scripture, but I do love this scripture because it raises these questions. It allows us to have these discussions, and like you said, next week we get to continue this discussion. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and do that. We're gonna continue that next week. So feel free to share this episode um, anywhere you can. Uh, 
feel free to comment and you know like I said share it out there go to beautifulfeetentertainment.com and follow us on Beautiful Feet Entertainment on Instagram and Twitter um, and you know we'll continue to to have these conversations um, would you mind praying for us and then we'll go from there most definitely okay oh oh father god we just come to you today and we are so thankful for this time that you brought us to for this moment that we are alive and that we are able to just praise you with our lives and with the actions and words that we speak we thank you for people who have been following jesus for their whole life and for people who may have just met Jesus or encountered him today or are still learning more about Jesus and his life and what that means. We just pray that um, as we go throughout the year, we're looking at Jesus's life and his ministry, looking at his death and his resurrection, that we can be thankful for that sacrifice that he made for us on the cross. We pray so much that the word of God would just be able to move through our land and to touch the hearts and minds of the people who live all across the world who need the message and the hope of Jesus Christ in their lives. We thank you for our podcast and just in our own small way that we're able to help spread the gospel um, to people that we may never actually get to meet in person, but we thank you for each and every one of our listeners whether they've been listening to us since the very first podcast or this is their very first time tuning in, we thank you so much for just each and every person who makes up Beautiful Feet Entertainment. Just be with us as we go and continue throughout this year that we can learn more from the book of John and just as we're learning more about the history of the church that we can be impassioned to make a difference in our local church and that way we can make a difference in our world for Christ. So we just thank you for this chance that we have every week to focus ourselves on the reason why we are Christ followers, that we are Christians, is because we want to follow the example that Jesus is setting as he's going into these communities and bringing healing. Um, he is bringing unity where there's division God and we just pray that over our world today so we just ask that each and every one who is listening to this podcast would be able to be happy and to be healthy and just to be safe until we can all be together again and it's in Jesus precious name that we pray amen amen thank you guys so much for listening like I said feel free to share comment subscribe and let's get this word out there have a great rest of your week. We will be back with you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Beautiful Feet Podcast, a partnership of BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com. Please feel free to follow us on social media at Beautiful Feet Entertainment. Please visit BeautifulFeetEntertainment.com and do not forget to like, share, and subscribe.